0: Welcome to Cars Yeah Show Number Eight Hundred and Thirty Six. Today on Cars Yeah, we're celebrating the Lime Rock Park Historic Festival, now in its thirty-fifth year, taking place at the end of August and the beginning of September. To learn more, go to LimeRockHistorics.com. This is Cars Yeah Hey, Murray, are you buckled up and ready for a fun
2: ride? Oh, yes. I'm very special, so I'm buckled up well.
0: <laughs> you are. You absolutely are. Oh, this is going to be fun. Murray Smith is the festival chairman at the Lime Rock Park Historic Festival that takes place at the historic Lime Rock Park Racetrack in Lakeville, Connecticut during the Labor Day weekend. Now in its 35th year, it's five days of events, including a concours, parade, a gathering of the marks, an auction, vintage racing, and much, much more. This year, famed British driver Richard Atwood is the honored guest for the historic festival. Murray was born in Scotland and ran a successful career in advertising, helping clients from around the world. His enthusiasm with cars has been lifelong, and he's a member of the BRDC and the RRDC, and he's raced and rallied in both modern and historic cars at pretty much everywhere around the world. He's owned numerous historic automobiles, including some very special cars like the Porsche RSK, the RS60 F2, the Porsche 917, a Maserati 250F birdcage, and a 300S. And today, Murray drives Morgans, Porsches, and a pre-1930 Austin 7. Murray, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about your incredible life. Would you take a brief moment to share a little bit more about your passion for automobiles?
2: Well, yes, I mean, I've been hooked on cars ever since I was about 10 years old, unfortunately. My father died when I was very young, and uh, but he, before the war, had been, the 1939 war. Uh, before that, he'd been quite friendly with a guy called Prince Bira Bongse, who was a prince of Thailand in those days, Siam. Yes. And Bira was a pre-war Grand Prix driver, and my dad used to play golf with him once in a while. When my father died, I wrote a piece about this relationship between my father and this Thai prince. And it appeared in the school magazine where I was going to school in London. And the headmaster of the school then said to me, uh, called me in one day and said, uh, ah, one of our school directors has seen your article about your father and and he's a car guy. And uh, he would like to take you to Silverstone to see a race. And so be outside the school at such and such a time on such and such a day, maybe two weeks later. And off I went And I think it was 1952 to the... Uh, Silverstone International, Daily Express International race meeting, Mm -hmm. uh, which, uh, you know, was for Formula One cars in the day. And there I was at Silverstone, all these fantastic, noisy, like 4CLT, Maseratis and stuff like that were. On track and that got me going. Unfortunately, that was um, <laughs> that was it. That was the start of uh, start of a lot of pain. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, and no doubt a lot of fun. You know, it's interesting you mentioned Prince Bira because a good friend of mine and past cars, yeah, I guess, he's been on twice. Nicholas Hunziker, his great great uncle, was Prince Bira, and uh, mm-hmm. the car that Prince Bira drove back in the thirties uh, was owned by a friend of mine up here in the Pacific Northwest. Of course, uh, yes, Greg Witten, Romulus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the Romulus, which is absolutely fantastic. Well. As we continue on this incredible journey of your life, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Murray, take the wheel.
2: An inspirational quote. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) Never give up.
1: Yes. (laughs) Uh,
2: Never give up. Get your teeth in and never, never. I I think what's really important is never give up. Never get disappointed and uh, always give it your best shot. But also know when to uh, add a little... You know, more in the line.
0: <laughs> I like that. You know, being a racer, I've had dozens and dozens of racers on the show, and every single one of them says those words, never give up. So how have you incorporated mm. that into your career in advertising and then, of course, what you're doing nowadays with uh, being involved in this wonderful event happening at Lime Rock Park?
2: Well, I've always been exceptionally, uh, I've tended to be exceptionally busy. I mean, I went to university in England, then I immediately went into the advertising business. And um, the company I was working for was an English agency. And they, uh, after about a year, sent me off to Greece to run one of their companies in Greece, which was handling Greek advertising around the world. And uh, then I was was in Greece for a while, four years. Then I was in Paris for a year. Then they sent me to America. so that was a lot of traveling. But then I gradually sort of rose in the company's uh, echelons and ended up running first Latin America, then the whole of the world outside the U.S. Wow! And so it was really crazy because I never stopped traveling. I mean, I used to go to Japan for a day, you know, crazy stuff like that. But it was, you know, it was very rewarding and uh, provided me with, Sufficient income to buy a couple of little cars. And uh, and nobody at the company minded me being involved with cars because amongst other uh, clients, we had Chrysler and uh, et, cetera, et cetera, And I ended up actually being on the motorsports committee at Chrysler. We got wow. the Viper GTSR built um, in conjunction with a guy called Bob Lutz, who approved it all. François oh, that Castang guy. And uh, François Castang and a guy called um, Al Turner. And oh. we put the first GT uh, race Viper together, which then won Sebring, Daytona, and Le Mans.
0: Wow, what fun. Well, I think you already answered this next question. I was going to ask you what instigated your passion for cars. You talked about uh, having your uh, the school guy take you off to Silverstone, yeah. but is there a pivotal mm-hmm. moment in your life when you went, oh, yeah, I'm into cars now?
2: No, I mean, because I'm into so many things, to tell you the truth. I mean, I love cars. I I, I love cars. I love driving cars. I love looking at them. But I think, uh, but I really, you know, I like the look of them. I like the feel of them. I love to drive and I love to read about them. But I have other interests too. So I'm not a complete uh, geek, uh, either fortunately (laughs) or unfortunately. But um, it's been a fantastic way of uh, supplementing my income and doing things that are a real challenge. I mean, running the Louis Vuitton Concours in Rockefeller Center which was an amazing event, although I say it myself, was a hell of a challenge. Imagine closing down central Manhattan and running F1 cars down uh, Fifth Avenue on a Sunday, which we did. Wow. So it was, uh, it was a, t- we had a huge budget, and it was a terrific event. So I think you know, there's always a challenge, but it doesn't have to be necessarily in a race. But, right. but I, I like all of it, quite frankly. I like the whole car world.
0: It's obvious you do. Well, you mentioned challenges. So this next part of our talk has to do with a a huge challenge or a big failure that you faced along the way in your life, your career, something that really, really set you back. But the most important part of that about the situation is what did it teach you? What did you learn? So take us to that really painful time. Kind of walk us through it and then tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum in your career or your business or even your life. Mm. It's never happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> You've never had a challenge. Now, come on, Murray.
2: Well, yeah, you know, the getting, you know, yes, but challenges are, you know, part of everyday life if you're, if you're, if you're aggressively pursuing life, like, uh, and it depends. I mean, can I drive at Le Mans, for instance? You know, am I good enough to do 200 miles hour in the dark? That, all that's a challenge. But on the other hand, it's just as much of a challenge to manage the ambitions of, uh, of young and sometimes talented, sometimes not talented people in the business mm-hmm. finding. Uh, you know, I, I collect automotive posters and a lot of automobile. I've got so much junk, I don't know what to do with it. And you know, sometimes you don't win at something; you don't get the thing you want because somebody else outbids you at an auction or whatever it is. Right. But I think you know, amongst the challenges that were really tough, were doing the Rockefeller Center event. That was a staggering deal. I think uh, I remember one day being with Dr. Bock, the who at that time was the sort of rector, the director of, of Mercedes's. Uh, um, motorsports uh, stuff. And I remember saying to him, listen, I've got Sterling coming to Lime Rock uh, this fall, and I'll get Jochen Mass over as well. Can you send me 722? Because I knew it was going uh, to, uh, yeah, I knew it was going over to Pebble Beach where they didn't even allow them to start the damn thing. So he said, mm, Murray, and he put his hands on both my shoulders and he looked me in the face and he said, would you like Fran Jones Formula One car as well? <laughs> <laughs> so I fell around and said so thank you very much. So, you know, it's a challenge to get things like that. It's a challenge to overcome one's uh, respect, almost uh, fear of really famous people who are really good at what they do, like Sterling Moss or Tony Brooks or Dan Gurney or, or you know. Right. And uh, so that's a challenge. And fortunately, you know, I've had tremendous amount of work to do for Rolex in terms of interviewing guys before events. In fact, this year I did an event for the ACO, uh, Automobile Club of the West mm-hmm. at Le Mans. I did uh, AJ Foyt and J- Jackie Eeks. Well, those are challenges. I mean, yeah. if you respect these people so much, you want to make sure that you do everything that you can right so that they come through. Mm-hmm. I think too many interviewers spend too much time talking about themselves and not uh, enhancing the incredible uh you know power and uh and uh ability of the people you're talking to
0: boy those are some challenges my takeaway from what you just shared was uh being willing to just ask put yourself out there and talk to people and ask the fact that you just asked the question i need 722 look what it got you two great cars bongio's car as well
2: well we also had uh, the collier w154 we had uh Ralph Lawrence, Trossy SSK. We had um, Indianapolis Museum's uh, French Grand Prix. We had a fantastic group of Mercedes there that year.
1: Brilliant. So
2: you can ask, but that's not a real challenge. That's just a question of asking. Right. Mind you, if you ask, uh, you say, I, I really want 722, and you don't know what it is, when the guy comes back and he says, "Well, why 722?" Well, you know, you have to be able to come back with a sort of logical answer that means something to him, like saying Sterling's drive in that car on that day was one of the greatest drives ever in motor racing. You so, go. I think you've got to back up any kind. There's an awful lot of books in, in virtually every business, and if you can't back up the 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 front that you're putting uh, with real knowledge, then that's a real challenge and a waste of time even bothering, quite frankly. Sorry. That's okay. I do have opinions, so I do apologize for that.
0: <laughs> I love your opinions, Murray. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to talk about a career aha moment. It sounds like you've had numerous, numerous aha moments throughout your life, but is there one that you'd like to share with us today that really stands out?
2: I think the, the, the amongst the aha moments was getting 722. I mean, uh, other aha moments were when... Uh, Uh, at Lime Rock in particular, when Peter Sachs was driving up to uh, take part in the Concourse on Sunday, which is a pretty good show, uh, his truck and trailer broke down, so he pulled his... HC Alpha winning car from about 1934 out of the back and drove it to the event. <laughs> so I think that was a nice moment. I mean, you know, there are so many. I remember yeah. uh, I remember the first time I drove at Monaco in a historic race in a Bugatti, of all things, way back when, the same weekend as uh, when Senna lost the race because uh, they stopped the race because of rain. It pissed with rain, uh, and I was driving a four-wheel drive Bugatti with which René Dreyfus uh, had won the La Tour Hill climb in about 1933 and uh, just going round there having you know envisaged it uh, having seen film of it but then to be going through the tunnel even in that old banger yeah. was something else and years later I drove my uh, Brabham BT44 uh, formula 1 car with a Cosworth in the back and of course going through that tunnel in that was a hell of a lot quicker <laughs> yeah a <know>, little bit <laughs> i think i think these fantastic revelations that where you've you've lived through you know reading about it or whatever it's like Going down Le on the back straight in the middle of the night, and you're going past that cafe, and you see it coming whistling towards you, and you think, "Christ, I'm actually here doing it." Yeah, you
0: know? pinch me. You
2: know, no, don't pinch me. That's much too painful <laughs> at the moment. But uh, I think uh, there's so many wonderful things to be done in life. I mean, you know, the, uh, and and motor racing is great because you can look at the stuff and then you can drive it, and of course, there are no excuses when you drive it. It doesn't matter if you're. Slow or fast, unless you have aspirations to be something else, but uh, just to have the opportunity to drive some of these amazing things that you have read about, I mean when Collier lends me you know a nine one seventeen p a spider to drive up the hill at goodwood it 's not very far it 's not a real challenge to your driving skills, but because you 're not going that fast and you 're not trying to go that fast you 've got any sense, but the fact that someone is prepared to put this in your hands says. A little bit about respect for your, not so much your capacity to go fast, but your capacity to be sensible. You know I mean? These are fantastic artifacts. They lent me their W154 mercedes Gold Grand Prix cars to do, uh, you know, laps at Lime Rock a few years ago. And that was fantastic. I hadn't been on a racetrack since 1939. Wow. So, you know, I think... I think, uh, you know, you've got to respect your luck and uh, and thank God for it and keep going as long as possible.
0: Absolutely. Well, I would assume, in fact, I know you've had numerous proud moments in your life and your career, but is there one that stands out you would share with us today?
2: In my uh, in business? I don't know, really. I think, I think you know, some of the, I mean, I, like, I have a lot of respect for Steve Earl, who did something about putting... A proper historic and vintage racing together in the United States when you've got the Monterey Historics going. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was very happy when I got Chrysler in to support that. Uh, I was very happy when I got Rolex to get involved in Woodward in the revival, which is a fantastic event. I mean, I helped Charles March, Lord March, and I actually sat down in a restaurant in London one day and were discussing what could one do that would really make it's fantastic for uh, you know a client to come in rather than just be another label on a label rich event, and that was to do the drivers' club, which we do at Goodwood and which we do now at uh, at, um, at Monterey. But mm-hmm. the first time we ever did that was at Silverstone, of all places, years and years ago. We put you know all this hospitality for all the you know the punters and everything else, but the drivers weren't even getting a free cup of coffee. So you know <laughs> wow. putting that together was a proud moment, just as. Winning the Samsung account when we went to pitch it in South Korea was also a, a very nice thing to do. Yeah, yeah.
0: Wow. I mean, yeah. Numerous, numerous things in your life. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and go way back. I would love for you to share your first really special car, that car that you got that meant a lot to you. You finally got it. This could be <laughs> a driving car. It could be a race car. Whatever it is, share some memories you have about that vehicle.
2: Well, the problem is I really have been incredibly fortunate. Unfortunately, in one way, because I've had so many absolutely extraordinary cars. But on the other hand, I was never rich enough like Nick Mason and others to hold on to them and, and capitalize on them now. I mean, mm-hmm. a few years ago, I had a 25F Maserati, which I raced quite a lot, a real one. I mean, the factory car that Moss won the, millimeter won the uh, European Grand Prix. In. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I bought it for quite a lot of money. I sold it for a little bit more. And then... Years uh, later, it was bought by somebody else for six times that amount. Yeah, wow. So it's a sad thing that, uh, you know, the short wheelbase Berlinetta that I used to park in the street in Manhattan is now worth $5 million, and I I bought... I bought it for 5000 and sold it for fifty. dollars yeah. So, you know, there are regrets. But on the other hand, I've owned them. You know, I mean, you know, imagine having a choice between a GTO and a, and a short wheelbase Berlinetta uh, for $5,000, which is the case. I've still got the, the invoice. Wow. I didn't buy the GTO because I thought it wasn't very practical for the street. But the short <laughs> wheelbase wasn't very practical either, and I used to park it on 57th Street in Manhattan on a regular basis, because he didn't have a garage.
0: Well, what about the first one? I mean, was there a car in you, back in your life when you were a young man that you went, man, I've always wanted something, I finally got it?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's you know, it's difficult to say. I mean, yes, in a way, because, uh, let's see, I mean, I started off buying Austin 7s because they were cheap, you know, I wasn't rich, I was at university, and I, I found an Austin 7 Ulster, which is a, a, a sort of... Small 750cc race car from 1929-30. And they're really rare. There are plenty of fake ones around mm-hmm. uh, because there's lots of Austin 7 engines. They're cheap to build and they're quite fun. Uh, and this is a little pointed tail thing. And uh, it would do 75, 80, just over 80 miles an hour, I suppose. Lord March's grandfather won the Brooklyn's 500-mile race with one of those, a handicap with Sammy Davis. So that was probably the first you know, really interesting little car that I had. But then, you know, after that, I got into Porsches, 956s, 962s, Lister Jaguars, uh, the famous, uh, what's it called, uh, the Polt Special, which was raced out in your part of the world mm-hmm. for many years. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I've been incredibly lucky in the cars that I've had, even if I haven't held onto them all, which is a pity, you know?
0: I understand. Well, this next question, I'm afraid to even ask, but let me put a caveat with it. I usually ask people the seller's remorse question, that one car you sold, you wish you had back. Let's take money out of the picture because money clouds everything. Let's just talk about the passion of the car. Is there one car you've owned, despite what it's worth today or what you paid for it, that you really wish you had back? Just one.
2: Well, in practical terms, I mean, you know. The Grand Prix Maserati is a fantastic piece. I mean, the rivets on the fuel tank alone are worth a thousand words, and it was a great car to drive. Um, My 956 Porsche, ex-Rothman's car, 956, Mm -hmm. you know,
1: 650
2: horsepower, 200-odd mile an hour, fantastic car, wonderful to drive. Lean in, start it without even getting in it. Just turn the thing over, and it'll tick over and warm up. But, you know, devilishly fast when you drove it. Those are all fantastic things, but in terms of you know real regret, I think one of the fun most fun cars I ever had was uh, was the uh, Stovebolt Special, which was originally an HWM Formula Two car, which Sterling crashed in Bari in about 1951 or 52, and it came to the States and eventually had a an engine put in it, a V8 a Chevy. And it was raced at Pebble and, you know, those kind of West Coast races Mm -hmm. uh, by guys like Bill Pollock. And and it was a fantastic thing. And I bought it at an auction on my American Express car. Oh, gosh. Uh, Just because I thought it was like a cycle fendered, like it was like a Fraser Nash on steroids. Yes. And of course, it had a lot of power because it had a big V8 in it and it looked great. John Lamb and I did the. New England tour in the thing. My wife and I did the California meal in it, including, you know, in the snow. And it was just a fabulous looking thing. You could drive it on the street. The guy I sold it to still got it 15 or 20 years later, and he's still running it. Wow. So I think that would be a, that would be a really nice car to have back. But I, th- I also like... The Morgan I've got, I've got the Morgan that won its class at Le Mans in 1962, driven by Chris Lawrence and Dickie Shepard Barron, mm-hmm. and that's a fantastic piece too. I just love them all, you know. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a Mark enthusiast. I mean, when you say you're a Ferrari guy, well, I just find that limited, you know I mean? Right. I like everything from Austin 7s all the way up to, um, you know, I had a Packard Woody at one stage. You know, it's just, um, I mean, it's a real passion. You yeah,
0: know? obviously, for sure. Yeah, the Stovall Special, that's a beautiful little car. It's just the proportions yeah, great The proportions are wonderful. I, yeah, wonderful. Well, let's talk about today and what's coming up here, the Lime Rock Park Historic Festival. What, yeah. can, what can you tell our listeners about that event?
2: Well, Lime Rocks are great. I mean, I raced a, when I first came to the United States in 67 or 68, I met a guy called Stan Novak, who was a Porsche guy, a Ferrari guy, who wrote books about Ferrari and everything else. He and I went and visited Modena, the factory once. And uh, the, the VSCCA was, you know, the Vintage Sports Car Club of America, which is one of the, certainly the oldest club of, of that kind, catering to competition events with old cars uh originally vintage cars and of course everybody in this country gets it all wrong vintage is pre-1930 in real terms in the rest of the world historics are much later how one can talk about having a race where travis is driving his r8 howdy and they call it a vintage race is just crazy <laughs> so i got involved in doing things there driving uh, all kinds of uh, ferrari monzas and stuff uh bird cage maseratis for to hold the bosch you know uh what was the original question on this one i got a little bit sideways
0: yeah it's okay what i wanted you to do is explain a little bit more about what somebody could experience Ah, yeah lime rock park this the historic festival
2: yeah when i first got involved with the vscca of course they used to hold races at lime rock so i went and raced at lime rock i went up there and i drove all kinds of different cars there including oscars and Ferrari, as I said, Ferrari Monza, uh, and various other things. And then I got into Aston Martins, and I drove from Advanas for a couple of years. And, and so I drove a lot at Lime Rock because it's near New York, and it's a lovely track, and da 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 So I was aware of it, new skip, and, uh, and raced a lot there. Yeah. And then, uh, then uh, Steve Earle came and ran it for a while for skip. And so Steve did the, um, did the race part of it, and I did the concourse on Sunday because we can't race on Sunday there because of local ordinances, mm-hmm. noise ordinances. So I organized the Sunday concourse, and we got all kinds of cars out of the paddock, which made it even better. And then uh, Steve went back to uh, work on the uh, Montreal Historics, which he had founded, and uh, he went and spent most of his time in California on that stuff. So Skip asked me to take it over. And um, I love it because it's a real mixture. First of all, the racetrack is not terribly demanding, but it's very, very difficult to do it right. It's not huge. So the cars do come around on a regular basis and people out there who don't know too much about cars can, can get it, can enjoy it. So what we did was we added a, a Thursday night sort of parade to a local uh, village outside. It's beautiful countryside there, so everybody drives down there on Thursday night it's in a um, uh, lovely old square. And then uh, Friday, we have practice and qualifying. There are eight groups of cars, everything from Formula Junior this year, uh, as it's part of the world tour. So we've got two grids of Formula Junior cars, and we've got a tin-top race, which I started last year, which is Lotus Cortina's, Datsun 510s, all that sort of stuff. And then we have, you know, the usual big-board GT, iE Corvettes and and E-types and things. And then uh, we have small ball cars. We have a race for pre war cars. So there are eight races in all. And on Friday, they get two practice sessions and qualifying. And then on Saturday, they get two races. Sunday, we have the concourse, which is now quite a big deal. We have a lot of really, really nice cars come to that now. And that's on the main straight. And around the rest of the circuit, the whole mile of the circuit, mile and a half nearly, we have uh, interest groups, mark groups, the Citroën two-horsepower two, two group, the, the Mini group, the BMW 2002 Ti group, uh, all that sort of thing. So there's the Concours on the main street, but there are all these other wonderful cars all round, and it's a great day out. And then Monday, you can come back and race again. So it's pretty good. And this year, we have Dickie Atwood coming, who you know won... Richard Atwood, as many would call him, he he won the Monte Carlo uh, Formula Junior Grand Prix in '63 in the Lola Mark 5. So that was a you know big deal. That yes. that was the premier Formula Junior race because they all thought, "Christ, if I win this, you know the Formula One guys I could pay attention." And of course, <laughs> he did, it, and then go and drive for, for in Formula One. And he won the Le Mans 24 Hours, a uh, 24-hour race in the 917. So he's a very accomplished driver indeed. Yes. And he's going to drive a GT40 in a race, not just a demo, for Miles Collier. And of course, he raced GT40s in period. And uh, he is coming, and he's going to drive something. You know, he's going to drive the GT40. Wow. And then uh, be interviewed on. Uh, on Friday night by me and then uh, we have uh, Bruce Meyer coming who you probably know from uh, Los Angeles I love Bruce Bruce was uh, you know one of the guests and entrants at the Rockefeller Center Concourse years ago Mm -hmm. he's a wonderful guy with all kinds of good stories and some really good cars and his passion is He's a very pure passion because he doesn't really he doesn't race for he That's fine. He, yeah. He's got wonderful cars because he really loves them. I think he's got the best hot rod in the world. That little hot rod of his is just brilliant. Oh yeah. And uh, and he's a lovely guy. So he's the guest of honor. And then uh, so you know we'll have a big dinner on Friday night. They'll tell stories, no doubt. We have some interesting people driving in some of the races. I mean. Ray Malek, who is, uh, you know, an entrant and racer at Le Mans for many years, um, is driving a Formula Junior called a U2 that his father built back in, uh, you know, 59 or 58. So he's coming to race it. Wonderful. So he'll be there and he's a real character and uh, with a lot of experience. Wow. So it'll be pretty fantastic.
0: Uh, yeah, I think so. And uh, Bruce Meyer has been a guest here on Cars. Yeah, I've known Bruce for years, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, fantastic guy. So it sounds like a spectacular event. I'll remind our listeners I'll have links to the website. If you're anywhere in the area of New York here in a couple weeks, uh this is an event you got to attend. Absolutely brilliant. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Murray. I'm very curious how you're going to answer this. If Murray Smith was a car, what kind of car would he be and
1: why?
2: Well, I'd I'd want to have a car that was, uh, I'd want a street car. I think, you know, race cars, I've had enough of those. You can't do much for them. And I don't want to just look at it. And and frankly, at my age, uh, you know, do I really want to go out and race some of the cars I've raced in period, i.e. like Formula One BRMs and stuff like that? No, I don't think so. So it's got to be something that I could drive on the street. It's got to be something that obviously has some grunt, uh, you know. Uh, I don't want a big car like a Corvette. I like them. I love the new Corvette, and I love the Corvette team. I think they're great in, you know, GT racing, but I don't know. I think, you know, I've had myriad Porsches. I think, uh, and and it would be nice to have an open car, but that's not very practical. In other words, I'd like to have something that combines real performance that repays skill in driving it. And that isn't huge and that isn't flashy. I mean, I I find the current uh, trend towards buying supercars is so stupid, it's unbelievable. I mean, all these people buying Veyron's and everything, what for? You cannot drive it on the street. Most of the people who own them are incapable of getting anything out of it uh, at all. So I think I'd go for a Carrera three-liter RS from about 1974, 75.
1: There you go. I've
2: had several of them, but I think that's, it's modest, but it'll still do 140, 130 mile an hour. It's small. Uh, you can put the child in the back if necessary. I think they look great. It's, uh, you know, and uh, I had several of them in period. Um, and I think it's that would be a really nice car to have. I mean, I've got some Porsches now. I've got a split window Porsche, very early 51 car, oh which gosh. I like a lot. Wow. And I've got a... I've got a speedster that I've had now for 30 years. So, oh. you know, I like I like Porsches. They're damn good. They're practical and, and, and fun.
0: I'm a big fan of Porsche as well. Well, Murray, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars yeah sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. In addition to Premier plush and Berber custom floor mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them market Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member Finra Sipic. Okay, Murray, we are back and we're entering the last lap. You've been around enough racetracks to know what that means. The white flag's out. Time to put our foot into it. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So, here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received?
2: Buy what you love, not what you think other people will love. Ah, uh,
0: perfect. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your successes over the years?
2: I don't drink heavily. I try and stay relatively fit without being completely mad because I was a businessman for years, so I had to. I had to split my automotive passion with my passion for doing well in the advertising business. Yes. Um. I think uh, you know apply common sense. And uh, if you have any brilliance, use it.
0: <laughs> I like that. If you have any brilliance, use it. Now, how about a resource? There are tons of great resources these days, but is there one that really stands out for you that you enjoy?
2: Cars, yeah, of course. The check's in the mail, Murray.
0: The check's in the mail. Well,
2: I hope so. Um, I, you know, one resource, the, the, the internet provides you with so much information, and there are so many, you know, very interesting internet things even on austin ulsters and god knows what yes but i i you know i like um reading um so i've got a, a lot of motoring books i've got every motorsport magazine since 1924 i've got just about all the auto sports wow i've got road and track since new although i must say the american old car magazines are nowhere near as good as the english ones yes. classic and sports car motorsport i think motorsport's a very good magazine now because it um it contains stuff on modern racing as well as a lot of stuff on, on great classic cars.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
2: Well, if you could have a drink
0: with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be?
2: Haha. I saw that sort of question, and... You know, there are so many people that I, I have known and, and and liked a lot, even loved some of them. I mean, I thought Phil Hill, with whom I did the Milla and which is a jerk-off race now. I mean, it's really a tour. People dress up in helmets and everything else. It's just pathetic. But it's, you know, in a fantastic country with lots of love and passion. Yes. But Phil and I did it in my old four-and-a-half-litre Bentley. I can't remember when, 95, something like that. And that was so much fun. Yes. So, Seeing Phil again would be lovely, but of course, he's not with us. But I think of all of the people, when I first came to the States in 1967, I had read in Autosport about this fantastic restaurant in the middle of Manhattan called uh, uh, Le Chant Claire, and that it was run by uh, a French gentleman and his brother. And this French gentleman had won the Monaco Grand Prix in 1930. René Dreyfus was his name, and he drove for Bugatti, he drove for Talbot, and he would have been a Grand Prix driver for Mercedes in the years immediately before the war had he not been of Jewish extraction. And when I first came to the States, when he was so nice to me, I hardly knew anybody in America, certainly in the old car business or in the car business in general, other than my clients. So I used to go and have lunch there very regularly. My office was in the Pan Am building, so I'd walk four blocks over and have lunch with a friend uh, or you know, in his restaurant. And over the years, we really got to know each other very well. And he was a wonderful guy. And it would be fun now uh, to pick it up again because he used to tell me about all the things he'd done. And I would say, you know, now we can talk about all the stuff I've got up to since then. And he would be really interested. He was like a little bit like a second father to me. Wow. And uh, he was just a fantastic guy. I mean, a, a wonderful man who I respected tremendously. And so uh, there you are. I think yeah, I'd have I'd love to have lunch with Renny now after all these years.
0: Wouldn't that be fun to rekindle that yeah, friendship? Yeah, wow, mm-hmm. fantastic. Well, you mentioned Phil Hill. I had the pleasure of meeting him a few times, but I had his son Derek on the show. I'm going to have Derek back very soon because he's about to finish a book with a bunch of Phil's photographs that'll be absolutely yeah, brilliant.
2: Yeah, taken a hell of a long time to get that. It's together. taken Derek's a while. A great kid, by the yeah. way. Yeah, and so is Alma, the uh, Derek's mother, uh, Phil's oh, Derek's, yeah. you know wife. Alma is a fabulous person. Oh, yeah. That family is very, very nice. But Phil was a really special guy.
0: Yes, I I was so fortunate to get to uh, talk with him a few times before we lost him. Well, I mentioned a book, and you have a huge library, I know that. This might be a tough question. So maybe think of a a current book you could suggest to the Cars listeners to crack open and read. Is there one that stands out for you?
2: Well, funny, I was talking to somebody, Mike Perry, who is a really clever guy who uh, manages racing drivers amongst, and is very friendly with guys like Stefan, Johansson, people like that. Mm-hmm. And he was here yesterday. He came up to stay the night because he's on his way to Chicago and he was wanting to drop in. And we were talking a little bit. I think uh, one of the great underrated drivers of all time is Tony Brooks. Mm. And he wrote a biography. Um, God, what was it called? I can't remember the name of it. You'll have to look it up. On okay. That. Tony Brooks's biography, his autobiography, actually, is absolutely fantastic because he wrote the whole book himself. He told me he said, "You know, it took me two years to write this bloody book because I wrote it all. There was no ghosting in it at all." And that's typical of Tony. He's a very quiet, very nice, fierce competitor. Yes. Um, you know, when he was driving for Fry with Gurney and uh, No, I think Tony, Tony Brooks's book is just fantastic.
0: I believe the book's title is Poetry in Motion. That's it. Autobiography of a Supreme Grand Prix driver. Yes, uh wonderful book. Absolutely. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources Murray has shared on his show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. Just go to CarsYa.com, type in Murray, M U R R A Y Smith. You'll find this wonderful book by Tony Brooks and all the other great things that Murray has recommended on his show notes page. All right, Murray, we're up to the checkered flag. Now you may have already answered this question when I talked about what kind of car you would be. We'll see, but today I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet. Now, this isn't a daily driver, but it's something that's very special. You've owned so many special cars that, I don't know, you maybe already own the car you'd love to have forever. But if money was no object and I'm writing the check, what would that car be that I could buy you today? Is it still that Porsche?
2: Well, that's different.
1: That's different, yeah. When I have the
2: Porsche, yeah, because the Porsche is, is a fabulous car. I yes. mean Practical relatively economic to run, you know, uh, not bad. I mean, but it takes a lot to be the GTO Ferrari. (laughs) We're going to go there,
1: huh?
2: (laughs) I wouldn't have any of the modern junk. Well, you know, Anthony Bamford let me drive. I drove, uh, which one did I? I drove, Lindsay Owen Jones had a GTO, which I drove in a two-hour race at Silverstone with him. Mm -hmm. And then a few years after that, I had driven for Bamford in the Birdcage and the 250F and the D-Type Jaguar at Watkins Glen. And then, uh, we were up at uh, Lawrence Stroll's track in, uh, in Canada, Mont-Tremblant. Yes. And Anthony came over to me in the paddock and said, hey, you know, I didn't realize, but there's a two-hour Enduro here, and I've got Joe here, that's his son, uh, but he can't do the whole two hours on his own, so can you drive the, the GTO with him? And that's, that's one of the great GTOs. Oh the 9 concessionaire <laughs> one with the... Um, you know, with the cam back and everything else. Yeah. He said, you better drive it around the paddock. Have you driven this one? I said, no, I've driven your other one. And he said, because uh, he had two, and he said, uh, well, drive it around the paddock just to remind you where the gearbox is, et cetera. So I yeah. drove it around the paddock, and off we went.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Man. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, yeah, was cool. cool. is so, so I guess today I'm hmm. going to be buying you a GTO Ferrari. Is that what I'm hearing? That's it. That'll do. That'll do. Okay. Well, any GTO will do. I
2: don't. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a very special
0: one. All right. Well, I appreciate <laughs> you that. I'll, I'll get my big, uh, my big, big, big checkbook out for you and find you a Good. car, Murray. Well, Murray, you've taken me on an incredible ride today. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better today. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me and the Car child listeners. Right my pleasure if you could offer us one parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off down the track in that gto ferrari what would that be never give up <laughs> there i kind of <laughs> thought i would hear that now what's the best way for listeners to learn more about the lime rock park uh, historic festival that's coming up
2: we have a website the lime rock historic festival it's on the web and uh, there's plenty of information in there and uh it's uh, it's well worth going to, and it's uh, very reasonable, and you can have a hell of a lot of fun for four days. Looking yeah. at cars, Seeing cars race, you know, getting really close. I mean, we the Formula Junior lot, we've got two grids. We've got so many Formula Juniors, maybe, I think, over 40 cars. So we're going to wow. about two grids, and they will all be in the concourse on Sunday as well. So
1: that'll be good.
0: Oh, yeah. I wish I could be there. I raced. My first vintage car I ever raced was a 1960 Lotus Formula Junior. I love that little car.
2: Well, at 18.
0: 18, yeah, yeah. Great yeah. great low to drive. Yeah, very fun, very fun. Well, again, listeners, oh, and by the way, Murray, is there a good way for people to follow along with what you're doing? Are you you have a website? Are you active on social no, media? No.
2: Nope. I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm just very quiet. You're just very quiet. I have written stuff for people. I mean, I used to write for Keith Martin's book, but I just got much too busy, and yeah. they got too big, and they've done very well. I like Keith Martin. He's done a great job. So, uh, no, I don't have anything they could follow me on, sadly. Or maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I'll come and talk to you another time. Well, I think Be you're right.
0: busy enough with what you're doing. Keith Martin's been a guest here on Cars. Yeah, as well. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything that Murray has been so kind to share with us today on his own Cars. Yeah, show notes page. Just go to cars. Yeah.com. Type in Murray Smith and you'll find that there. And if you're anywhere in the area of Lime Rock Park, this is an event you need to attend. So I'll have links to that as well. Murray, thanks for taking some time out of your day with me today and for being so generous. I really appreciate the ability to talk to you. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road.
2: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor.
0: What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction.